0: The post-World War II global geopolitical order is crumbling. The cracks in this order are highlighted by the uncertainty posed by Trump's America, the multiple crises in Europe, and the chronic conflict and destabilization of West Asia, and the apparent rise of China. Welcome. You're listening to The New World Order, a podcast series from Gateway House. I'm your host, Viprita Vikram Singh. The New World Order is a weekly podcast series designed to help you go beyond the news, to understand the changing geopolitical trends and comprehend the macro shifts that are facing India. Joining me today to help introduce the show is Ambassador Neelam Deo. She is the Director of Gateway House and has served as the Indian Ambassador in several countries. It's great to have you back on the show, Ambassador.
1: Well, it's good to be back on this show and I think we have a lot to discuss since uh You know, things are changing as we speak, or they are actually resisting changing as we speak. And those processes will be uh, really exciting to talk about.
0: Ambassador, last year, you were our primary expert on a podcast series which followed the U.S. elections. We examined a range of policy issues, the debates, and the likely foreign policy implications depending on who the next president of the United States would be. For those of you listening you can find a link to this series in the show notes picking up from where we left off the president of the united states donald j trump it's a term which hasn't really sunk in yet for most people american or otherwise there are many opinions regarding donald trump but the one standout issue that everyone agrees on is that his election on november 8th 2016 was a landmark moment it seemed to put a full stop on the kind of geopolitical changes which we were seeing across the world. Wouldn't you agree? Uh,
1: you know, uh, Trump's election has uh, is a kind of hinge moment. It has the same significance almost as, uh, say, 1989 when you had the fall of the Berlin Wall. It is It presages a complete change in the way geopolitics will be arranged and this has to do with the fact that the positions he took during the campaign and immediately after even though some have been retracted by his own appointees uh, his position on uh, nato as being a uh, obsolete organization not fit to meet the present challenges his uh, observations on the european union as uh, bound to disintegrate uh, his position that he would pull the United States out of global trade agreements and mega regional trade agreements. So that, all of this is shaking up the way the world has been organized at the moment. As it happens, it times in with the sort of crises that are uh, being attributed to globalization. Really a kind of crisis in capitalism, if you like, starting with the 2008 Lehman Brothers financial crisis, which spread to Europe in the first uh, instance and then to the rest of the world, but also the uh, rising inequality of incomes all over the world, but again concentrated in uh, in the Western uh, economies, uh, in a different way than it is uh, Uh, playing out in uh, the developing countries. So all of this has been brought to a head by uh, the election of Trump and because perhaps of the manner in which he speaks, the way he says things, the fear of change is actually being aggravated everywhere.
0: The United States has always considered itself to be the leader of the free world. The question that I have is really has the election of Donald Trump brought about a shift in perception towards the United States?
1: Yes, definitely. Even though uh, you, his predecessor, President Obama, actually recognized the big geoeconomic shift from west to east that had already occurred even before he became president with the extraordinary expansion of the Chinese economy and the more gradual but also extraordinary in the rise of the Indian economy, as well as other mid-sized countries like Indonesia, like Turkey, like Mexico. But uh, it is with... Uh, Obama tried to put uh, a sort of dignified veneer on the relative decline of the United States. He tried not... At least he said he would not enter into useless wars, even though... His then government became quite militaristic, with joining the attack, the invasion of Libya, with the kind of policy that has been followed in Syria. But he did seem to recognise that the West was in relative decline. Uh, Trump has come in saying that the American economy has been exploited; it has the middle class is being destroyed by trade by other. Elements of globalization and this has really brought everything to a head in that the US economy still being the largest economy the US military still being the largest most powerful military in the world everyone is now looking to see what kind of position the United States will take and in some cases adjusting themselves already but in other cases they are going to react once these positions get taken and actions get taken by the United States.
0: There are many terms which are used nowadays uh, to, def- to sort of denote the kind of status quo shift which is coming about, the post-1945 world, the geopolitical Bretton Woods, and the Western world. All of these terms are used more often than not um, to represent the same thing. Can you give us a bit of an explain as to what these terms represent?
1: Yes, you know, the uh, end of the Second World War, there was a genuine horror at the carnage. Millions, tens of millions of people killed, uh, economies ruined, uh, people displaced. So the world did try to get together to frame institutions that would prevent, you know, as they said, war again. But who were these countries? These countries were principally the United States and Western Europe. Japan gets included into this because it was a participant in the Second World War, even though it was a defeated participant, but it was occupied, just like Germany, by US armies. The one big participant in this war that was not included was Russia. And in fact, a lot of institutions built up against Russia. And then it was ideological reasons, because Russia was a communist country. And China, of course, was also a communist country. And therefore, actually, in the UN Security Council, the seat was given to Taiwan, the little island of Taiwan, rather than to the PRC, because it was communist. Now, this group of countries got together, set up the United Nations, set up a UN Security Council which reflected the post-World War power equations. Therefore, it excluded anybody except China from Asia, no representation for Africa, no representation for South America. It also set up a series of financial institutions which together are called the Bretton Woods institutions, which is now referred to as the World Bank, IMF, uh, the uh, ISC, which was a later addition to give concessional credit to uh, developing countries. But initially, the World Bank and IMF were set up for the reconstruction of Europe. But a number of other financial institutions have grown since then, which dominate the global financial architecture. These include rating agencies, they include LIBOR and other price-setting institutions, there is the WTO. All of these institutions which are not being given by Trump the kind of importance that previous American uh, governments, as well as West European governments, have given. The legitimacy of the UN Security Council has been called into question because of the numerous wars that are underway. All parties, all powerful governments participating in one way or another, therefore a kind of revival of proxy wars. And then you have the crises within Europe especially, uh, which came to a head with Brexit and the rise of right-wing parties in all the European countries and three of which will go into elections this year. But last year's numerous elections all threw up governments either led by right-wing parties or which included right-wing parties in the coalitions in a big influential way. So the rise of the right-wing parties which coincides with the decline of the centre-left as well as the ideological hollowing out of left the parties and thinking all of this is coming together and creating huge uncertainty huge fear of change but change is going to happen nevertheless
0: so ambassador why is it that we can't look at these changes as just regular foreign policy at work why do we look at this as a change in the world order
1: this makes it a change in the world order because all of these Economic changes that had been taking place over the last 20 years have now started to come together with the political shifts that have been taking place for the last five, seven, eight years. And they come together because developing countries like China, like India, like Turkey are putting forth different ideas and seeking to play a more influential role in the global power equations. As well as in global financial institutions, so BRICS for instance, has set up the new development bank uh, China has set up the Asian infrastructure uh, bank there is uh, you know Turkey has very uh, has a very large sovereign investment fund, so countries are coming together and becoming big bigger players willy-nilly really, really, regardless of the resistance from the west I,
0: um Ambassador, you seem to have teased upon all of the issues that we seem that we wish to cover in this series, so it looks like it's a good point to wrap up this introductory episode. Ambassador Deo, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. We look forward to next week.
0: Next week on The New World Order, we'll be diving into the fresh yet turbulent presidency of Donald Trump, looking at some of the steps that he's taken and casting light onto the host of new opportunities and threats that his presidency has created. You've been listening to The New World Order, a podcast series by Gateway House, which observes, defines, and seeks to understand the changing political trends across the world.